it's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas to me so that you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Coming up in a few minutes in today's Clark Rageous Moment, I am beyond furious at MGM Hotels for something they are doing now to people that were injured or worse in that mass shooting in Las Vegas last October. I'm going to fill you in on what they're doing and what I would like you to do about it to send a clear message. And later, as opposite a story as the gut-wrenching evil that happened in Las Vegas, the beauty of how most people are such great people and do things no one's asked them to. I'm going to share a story with you about what some random acts of uh, kindness were that people showed to a school teacher and for her students. It really shows the true American spirit. Right now I want to talk about something going on with smartphones. And it came out of Europe. The European Union has fined Google $5, million, $5 billion. Better get that right. Well, I think I'm in Austin Powers. $1 million. No, $5 billion. And the threat of additional daily fines moving forward for how Android operates on cell phones. Android accounts for 88% of cell phones that people buy in the world, and they have been sued and have been ordered within 30 days to stop putting on Android phones any Google-owned apps. And you may wonder, how does this affect you at all? Well, anything involving cell phones is a worldwide market. And if you think about, if you use an iPhone, Apple decides everything within their walled garden. Automatically comes loaded with Safari and so many other Apple-owned products. If what the European Union is doing to Google with Android becomes the standard practice around the world, cell phones will end up operating much more like laptops or desktop computers, where you buy a unit and it does whatever you want, goes wherever you wish, and instead of apps, you use bookmarks, and it becomes an open architecture thing. If you think about how different iPhones are and Androids are, where they come preloaded with so much stuff, a lot of which in the Android orbit, you can easily delete, not as easy with an iPhone. But the idea of these two companies, Apple and Google, deciding what your phone is going to be able to do and where you're going to be able to go is something we've come to accept over the last 10 years. And that conventional thinking is what's being challenged. I don't know how it's all going to play out over the next while, but I think it would be better if phones were sold 
as hardware with an underlying operating system of your choice or even the ability for you to change operating systems. Just like on a laptop, you can choose what browser you're going to use, whether you use Explorer. Well, nobody really uses Explorer anymore, do they? Uh, Chrome, Firefox. A lot of people outside the United States use one called Opera that you would be able to choose how you use it and what you use on it and it would just be a completely different environment than we have now and we'll see how that plays this came about because of lawsuits against google that were first filed four or five years ago and has led to this point so just want you to know that if you hear about this five billion dollar fine and you're like how does that affect me at all We'll have to see over the next few months, does it change, force a change, in how Apple and Google operate here in the United States? And we'll just have to wait and see. It means, though, that your phone would be much more democratic with a small d if the European thought process ends up being how phones work in the future. Uh, you know, Google and Apple have done a fantastic job with smartphones. The complaint is that they basically become a shared monopoly. You know, Google with 88% of the market, Apple with 12%, and that leaves zero for anybody else. The idea is that if their systems have to go open architecture, that it would lead potentially to more innovation and lower prices for you and me. We'll see. Dennis is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Dennis. Hello. Dennis, your daughter Hello. is going to go serve our country. Yes, she is. Well, tell her how grateful I am to her for her bravery and her patriotism. I sure will. Which branch is she going into? She's going to Air National Guard. All right. Well, how can I be of service to you? Well, she has um, invested some money into her savings account and she wants to know how to better invest that into a retirement account what a great question uh, do you have a sense she's going to be at first uh going through basic she'll be active duty for a while and then go to her uh monthly cycle of going once a month for drills and all that right and then two weeks in the summer for annual training is that kind of how this will play yes. for her. Do yes. you do you have a sense what she'll earn per year in the Guard, and does she have another job as well? She has another job, and she will be going to college at the same time. Right. Uh, is she going to earn, by the time this year is out, $6,000? Oh, yeah. All right. Then what I would like her to do is take um, $5,500, and put it into a Roth IRA. A Roth IRA allows her to take the money she's stashed in savings and put it into a tax-free account that stays tax-free her whole working lifetime. And then at retirement age, she's able to spend the money she's put in, the 5500 and everything it earns tax-free. Okay. And so in that case, where she has it in a savings account, where it's earning basically almost nothing. That's what her concern is. 
Right. But this is completely different because in a Roth, you invest the money and you know, you'll have good years and bad years over the many decades, but ultimately it should lead to real money for her. And in years she has earned income, she can put in up to 5500 in the Roth. And the easiest place for her to put it, how old is your daughter? She just turned 18 last month. 18. All right. So she could go in, let's say, a 2060 fund or a 2065, where she can buy a fund that invests based on the idea of her retiring more than 40 years from now, which is likely when she would, right? Right. So um, everybody sells these. The lowest cost target retirement funds are with a company called Vanguard. Have you ever heard of them? Yes, I listen to you all the time. Okay. So what I would like her to do before she ships out for basic is go to Vanguard, open a Roth IRA, and then put it in, I think the latest year you can do, maybe 2060 or 2065, pick whatever the latest is and just stash the money in there. She can't put all she's got in savings, but she can do the 5500 Okay. She may also, I don't know if she does, this is a question that's beyond me, is as a guardsman, uh, as an air guardsman, if she is eligible while she's in basic to open up a thrift savings plan, a TSP, and have her find out at the base in whatever spare minute she has through basic, if she is eligible during... um, with the money she earns in the Air Guard if she's eligible to do a TSP, which is the best retirement plan any of us have available to us. It's only available to federal employees and U.S. military personnel. Guardsmen, you know, I I don't know how it applies with guardsmen because guardsmen are kind of like a hybrid of federal and state employees at the same time. Okay. But, I know she has some sort of retirement paperwork already filled out through the military, but I don't know who it's with or what hopefully, hopefully it is the TSP. And if it is, doing that as well would be a great combo for her. And again, thank her for me for what she's doing for our nation. Karen is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Karen. Hey, Clark, how are you doing today? Great, thank you, Karen. You have a question for me that is a puzzle. Yes, sir. Let me hear. I have a credit card um, that I have had for the past 15 years. I have recently um, applied for and received a credit card from another company that does not have an annual fee and also has some member benefits. Um, and I am curious to find out because you always tell us not to cancel credit cards and to just put one charge on them a year just to sort of keep them active. I am trying to find out because of some recent activity with my credit score. Um, if I do decide to cancel this credit card that holds an annual fee, how might, if at all, this impact my credit? So immediately where it affects you is on what's known as your ratios, the amount of your available credit you're using. So what kind of credit limit does this 15-year-old card have? And and Clark, I misspoke. I'm not worried about my credit. I'm actually more worried about my credit score. Yeah, well, that's the same thing. 
Okay, so understood. in terms of how you're evaluated, so do you know what the limit is on that 15-year-old? I honestly don't. Right. So that's a key piece of information uh, that after we talk, I'd like you to check. Okay. Because what I might want you to do, the 15-year history you have with it will still reflect on your report, even if you close that account. You know, you okay. will have shown all that time with that card is for you to try to replace it with a no-fee card that has a limit equivalent or potentially higher so that you don't mess up what's almost a third of what makes up your credit score, which is what percent of the credit you have are you using in any month. I see. So if, if if the credit limit on this credit card that I've had for 15 plus years is the same or less than the new credit card that I took out, canceling it will not be tremendously impactful? Right, it will not be. But will you only have one card going forward when you close? So that I don't want you to do. I want you to think Noah's Ark rule. You always want to have two major credit cards from different issuers as part of what makes your credit um, healthier, in terms of how it looks when people are evaluating you, and it gives you more flexibility if one of the credit card companies starts having a lot of charge-offs, a lot of bad debt, and they say, ooh, we're going to get rid of a lot of our account holders. Who should we start with? And then it could be you, and then you go from one card to zero. Okay. So I'd like you to uh, not only, cl- if you do decide to close the card with an annual fee, get another one that is fee-free. And one of them that I like right now is the City Double Cash, because you get 2% cash back on everything you charge, and it has no annual fee. Okay. And so, again, with the credit score, if I do close this credit card with the annual fee and then take out another credit card, as, as you're recommending for the City Double Cash, how does that impact the credit score? Great question. So, in the immediate aftermath, it may, having a credit app may, what's known as a hard inquiry, may lower you like 12, 15 points on your score. But having more available credit, that part of your score is worth over 300 of your points. So no, not quite 300, 270, I think. So it's one is a temporary uh, minor impact. The other is a major benefit over time, having more available credit. Today's Clark Rageous moment is something that I am shaking about. I am so intensely angry, I can't even think straight. In fact, I had to read the first report I saw about it twice to really absorb that MGM, the owner of Mandalay Bay and many other hotels, is suing all the people that were shot and wounded in the incredibly senseless and horrifically violent mass shooting that took place in Las Vegas last October. MGM is suing the individuals that were hurt, who in most cases have taken no action to sue anybody after they have been so grievously wounded and affected for the rest of their lives by this senseless violence. And MGM only worried about its own wallet 
is using an obscure novel legal strategy of proactively, preemptively suing the victims to try to get a court to issue an order that would prohibit anybody from ever suing MGM. Now, I'm not a fan of all the suing that goes on in America, but this is so heartless, so cruel, so uncaring, and Las Vegas showed itself to have a sense of community no one knew it ever had till the community came together so beautifully following that terrible, terrible mass shooting. MGM is tone deaf and its heart and soul are dead. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make and you can follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. You know, humans defy description because we come in all shapes and sizes, attitudes, uh, there's evil among us, and there's so much good among us. And I believe in my heart and soul that most people, in spite of all the negative stuff we hear, that most people are good people wanting to make a difference. And I want to share something that touched my heart about the goodness in people. So there was a flight going from Chicago to Jacksonville, Florida on Southwest. And the reason Southwest is an important part of the story is Southwest passengers tend to be a lot chattier with each other than people. It's like their passenger profile. They just customers talk to each other a lot so this guy's uh talking with this woman next to him who turns out to be a school teacher and she's going to visit her family before she goes back to chicago to start the school year and she is telling this story about the kids in her school and how the teachers pool their money to take care of the kids because so many of the kids are from such extremely poor families. A lot of the kids are hungry and the teachers will feed them. A lot of the kids don't even have uh, a pencil to their name. And the teachers use their own money to give the kids supplies. Teachers named Kimberly, and so she's relating this story that I read about in a Washington Post item. And So she tells the story, and that's it. And then later in the flight, she gets a tap on the shoulder, and the guy behind her on the plane says, I want to apologize to you, but I was doing something I shouldn't have been doing. I was eavesdropping, and I heard what you and your fellow teachers do for these children. I'd like to give you some money for them. And so he hands her some money, and she's just shocked and thanks him. But she didn't count or anything. She just took the money and put it aside. Well, then that started a chain reaction. It's almost like those stories at Chick-fil-A where somebody pays for the person behind them, and then they pay for the person behind them, and it goes on and on and on. And people keep handing her money, and her mom picks her up at the Jacksonville airport, and she's telling her mom, 
about this crazy thing. And mom said, well, how much money did you get for the kids? And she starts counting it. And the guy who had been eavesdropping behind her gave her $500 in cash. And other people just kept handing her money. And I think it just shows that we have in us, and not everybody, obviously, but that so many of us have in us this innate generosity that we want to serve others. A lot of times we just don't know how to make a difference. And I encourage you, in whatever way you can in your life, do things for others through organized activities, if you will. I've got a lot of things that really mean a lot to me that I get involved with as a volunteer. But whatever it is that speaks to you in your community, in your religious congregation, your church, whatever it is, pitch in and make a difference. Because you never know. I mean, the people that gave her money, I promise you, they got more out of it than what they gave up. And the funniest thing in the whole story was this young teacher, Kimberly, when she got called by a reporter and was answering a question from a reporter, said, I was shocked because nobody my age has even a dollar of cash on them anymore. (laughs) And that is so true. That is an age delineator now, whether somebody actually knows what an ATM is and pulls money out of it and uses cash or everything they do is with some form of plastic. Wendy is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Wendy. Hi, how are you? Great, thank you, Wendy. How can I serve you today? You want to be generous, don't you? I do. I I am generous, and thank you for your inspiration. Those were great stories. Thank you. Yes, so my question for you is I have two teenagers, both of which um, we've acquired some savings bonds from grandparents over the years. I'd like to put them away respectively it's five hundred dollars for each child and i'm not sure what to do with them so you don't want them in savings bonds anymore they're in u.s savings bonds they are correct so do you know what the if there's series i bonds or double e's you know what kind of bond they are they're double e's okay so they're earning almost nothing yes so if you cash them their kids will face uh, potentially likely no tax due or minor, minor tax due on whatever they've earned. Won't be enough to amount to anything. And then you'd have a number of options. So you could put the money, because are you, are you the actual owner of record or who's the owner of record on these? So it has both my children's name and my name on them both. All right. So you can do things for the ultimate benefit of your children in this case. And what I would like you to consider, I should ask you this, what's the likelihood in your family that your teens are going to go to college? Very likely. So what what I would do with that money is I'd cash them in because that money hurts potentially their eligibility for financial aid at college. Mm. And I would open a 529 account if you don't have one already for each of your children. Do you know what a 529 account is? I do. I do. And thankfully, we've been able to contribute to 529s for both of the kids. 
So I would add the money to their plans. Okay. And you want to own the plans, not either of your children. So since you are dual named on these, you can just take the money and put them into the 529 plans that you own. Okay. Can I ask a follow-up question? Sure. My other thought was, I'm anticipating, um, as I said, college education and possibly graduate school and even medical school beyond that. Outside of those opportunities for the kids, I was thinking about a down payment for a house with this small starter fund. Uh, Believe it or not, especially with all the education you said is likely in your family, I would put the money in the 529s. Okay. Because the dollar need for undergraduate school, potential graduate school, then you go to professional school for medical. I mean, you're talking with a lot of zeros for all tuition for those years. So the 529 is where it's at. Great. Perfect. Right. Well, best to you. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Sure. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye. And we're speaking now with Tom. Tom, it's, it's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show. Thanks, Clark. Hey, I'm a longtime listener and first-time caller. I appreciate you having me on. Sure. And I appreciate uh, everything that you you and your team do for us. Well, I understand you're interested in one of the uh, real estate groups where you pool your money with others to buy individual properties. Is that right? Uh, Yeah, I think so. So, you know, I have a a good problem, basically. I'm fortunately on debt-free and I'm looking for investment options you know, beyond the typical Roth IRA and 401k options. Well, then I got to stop you right there. Are you maxing out both of those? Yes, sir, I am. All right. So you're a max saver. You're my kind of guy. You're saving money like crazy. Yep. Trying to, trying to. And uh, I'm I'm just looking to diversify my my portfolio. And, you know, the REITs looked interesting, especially these online types that, you know, advertise lower fees, and lower, um, you know, barriers to entry. So just wanted to get your thoughts if they're legit and, and how you feel about them as an option. So uh, to me, they're kind of a, a hybrid between you owning an individual property or properties that you would manage and rent out or being in a widely diversified real estate investment trust. So mm-hmm. the fees, depending on which one you go to, tend to have fees of 1% to 2% per year and also may or may not have a fee for starting up. Now, okay. As an alternative, if you were a, going into like a, a REIT itself, you might find, or a REIT index fund, you mm-hmm. would likely get more diversification and end up with much lower costs if you were to do that. And so that is just a thought for you because the expenses in uh, a lot of the REIT exchange traded funds are under 0.2% per year. So basically free. Vanguard, which is the lowest cost provider, is 0.1, 0.12 actually, um, which is, uh, that's essentially free investing. So okay. it, I like the idea of you being as diversified as possible if you're going to go in any kind of real estate investment trust where there are a lot of different properties, not a very narrow focus, 
because there's more risk up and down with a narrow focus. And I also don't want you to end up in a situation where you have cost drag with the investment you're in. So keeping the costs as low as possible makes me a lot happier. Great. I appreciate the advice. So what you're considering is not a scam. It's not a ripoff. It's just a higher cost way to do it with what feels to me like more risk involved. Okay. All right. So the Vanguard offers uh, index-traded funds that are maybe a better lower-cost option. And it's not just Vanguard. I mean, there are a variety of people offering REIT indexes, uh, would it plural be indices, indexes, whatever, but Vanguard's the cheapest of them. And they okay. offer both an ETF. Are you familiar with ETFs, exchange-traded funds? Uh, actually, you could explain that a little bit further. That'd be great. Yeah, because I, I talk about that without really thinking through. Maybe I should explain what ETF is. Exchange-traded fund, it's where you buy a, a equivalent of an old-fashioned index fund or mutual fund buying it like it's a a stock instead of a fund and so you have that choice with vanguard as well as other providers where you can buy either the etf version or the fund version and there are advantages and disadvantages to each and if you decide you want to stay in vanguard's world then read the differences of the REIT index fund and compare that to the REIT index ETF and see where you'd want to be. If it, With others, the difference with the ETF is it will be lower cost than other providers equivalent of a fund. Okay. So uh, that's, that's the easiest, quick explanation I can give. And Shirley is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Shirley. Hi, Clark. How are you today? Great. Thank you, Shirley. You're trying to sell your house, huh? Well, we're thinking about downsizing, and I've been exploring different options. And I saw a couple of ads on TV in regard to companies that have a new way to sell your home. And I was wondering if it would be worth exploring that. So are you talking about these people who say they'll just uh, either name a price, and if it doesn't sell at that price within a certain period of time, we'll buy your home for the agreed-to price, or we can skip that and we'll just buy it from you right now at the agreed-to price. I, yeah, skip that, yeah. Yeah, so exactly. I think this is um, the most innovative thing to hit real estate in at least a generation because prior efforts where somebody would come in and say they were going to buy your home, they were looking for people who were in more desperate situations who were or maybe inherited a house and didn't know what to do with it or how to get rid of it or whatever. This is for people that are not desperate but don't want to deal with the whole hassle of the traditional real estate selling process. So I think it's absolutely fine for you to have an open mind, have one or more of these companies, because in some cities there are multiple players that are now offering to come in and just buy your house after an inspection that they do not a traditional home inspection but their method of checking out the house and they just offer you a price and say you're done you're out when do you want to be out you want to be out in two weeks three weeks whatever and you're out of the house no uncertainty 
Yeah, that's good news. Um, we were concerned about, uh, you know, different companies and make sure that they were legitimate. So this is um, a well, I should say this is a new area and mm-hmm. it's hard to know who's going to be survivors. But I've not uh-huh. even heard any hint that any of these new players in any way are not playing the game straight up. Good. But the Good. way you your truth serum is to really survey your neighborhood, see what things have sold for in the last six months that are mm-hmm. similar to your house as you can find. And that's the best way for you to have a sense whether the offer one of these companies is making to you to just buy your home is a fair offer or if they're lowballing you. Okay, okay. Well, you've done uh, good by us in the past. We've taken your advice several times, and it's always worked out well. So we appreciate anything that you have to say. Well, I appreciate that, but remember, your house is the biggest thing you own, so you don't let my word stand in as truth here. The truth is when you survey and you say, hey, that price they offered us, that's great, or that price they offered us, that's miserable. And then you're able to make that decision about whether or not it is a good choice for you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's Ask Clark time. That's where you post a question on Clark.com and producer Joel asks it. Joel uh, Clark, Joel uh, Charles wrote in. He said, "I'm enjoying using the Gas Buddy app. I get emails encouraging me to connect my checking account, which they claim will save me even more money. I'm hesitant to do so, though. I'm not comfortable giving people access like that. Can I get some advice about whether making that connection is safe or not?" But first, should I be Charles, Joel, or Clark? Either one, man. Right. So, Charles, the the program they're offering is one that. You tie your checking account into Gas Buddy's program, and then you pay with this Gas Buddy payment card, and it saves gas stations a fortune because the credit card merchant fees they pay, a giant expense for them. But what Gas Buddy gives you are these weirdo points that you then have to exchange for stuff. The program seems way too complicated for me. I'd be happier if you got either a Sam's Club MasterCard or a Costco Visa where you earn either 5 or 4% cash back on every gallon, and it's just straight cash you can use. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I appreciate you spending part of your day with us here on The Clark Howard Show. I want you to know that if you need consumer advice, we're here to serve you off-air for free, nine hours a day if you go to clark.com and go down the home screen you'll see a section consumer help and tools click on consumer action center 
and you can get that free off-the-air advice.